Hey guys, this is Francis, and welcome to As You Wish, where we explore one line from one verse of the book, Vashishta's Yoga. It's going to be an exciting ride. Here we go. Okay, so I am calling this one Time Alone. So this is part one, chapters 23 and 24. And what's happening in the story is that Rama is talking to his father and the people of the palace, and he's continuing to tell us why he is unhappy. And now at this point, he addresses the topic of time. Here's the quote. Time alone, O sage, wears everything out in this world. There is nothing in creation which is beyond its reach. Time alone creates innumerable universes, and in a very short time, time destroys everything. So that's the quote. Here's my takeaway. I thought of three things. Number one, the idea of seasons. Number two, changing tides. And number three, the concept of be, do, have. So I'll elaborate a little bit more on each of those now. So the first one, this idea of season. So, you know, in talking about time, um, there's a couple of kind of angles I'm thinking about this. So in general, as I'm reading this book, this whole beginning section is on dispassion. And for me, it's very hard to sort of be in this kind of environment of continuing to read about like all the woes of everything that could possibly like feel wrong. Um, it feels very kind of almost depressing, I want to say, but you know, what I want to think of is this whole book is broken into six different sections. And I want to think of those like seasons. So right now, we're in this season of the book, right? This chapter, basically, right? Uh, or this part, right? So it's parts, part one, two, three, four, five, six. And then the chapters are the little, the numbers in between. But this idea of being in this season of the book on dispassion. And I want to kind of correlate it a little bit with this season in time. So at the moment, we're dealing with COVID, which is a very... I want to say twilight zone type of season. You know, everybody's been on a roller coaster ride just to kind of figure this whole thing out. A lot of things are shifting and changing and people are adjusting. I wanted to read to you the titles of each of these parts of the book so that way you can have that to look forward to and then um, talk a little bit more of dealing with COVID. So the parts of the book right now are in this large part called on dispassion. The second part is called on the behavior of the seeker. The third part on creation. The fourth part on existence. The fifth part on dissolution. And the sixth part, which is the biggest part, is on liberation. Can't wait till we get to that part. <laughs> I have a feeling it will be a much happier season than the one we're in right now, which is on dispassion. So back to this idea of like COVID and what it brings kind of this season and time that we're in. And during this season, who are the important people in your life? I think that point is becoming so relevant, uh, especially with quarantine being part of what we're dealing with. So you may find there were people that were 
uh, in your life that have just completely vanished without a trace. Granted, we're all dealing with a lot and we need to focus on what's in front of us, but there may be people that you thought were going to be there and they're just kind of not there. Um, that's one sort of, if you think of like a character in a movie, if we're playing out the movie of our own life, that's one possibility. Um, just interesting to note, you may find also that there are people in your life right now who are, I want to call them your anti-champions or maybe energy vampires. So these might be people that are, even as you're struggling, maybe even more antagonistic or non-supportive, like that is a possibility. And what is your strategy with that? I think that the best case scenario is who are your champions? That is who brings you comfort? Who can you talk to? Who can you really reach out and connect with? You know, whether it's through text or Facebook Messenger or actually picking up the phone and talking to them. So just a few thoughts, you know, um, who is sort of not really there in, this is sort of a crisis, right? Um, who is kind of there, but in an antagonistic role and who is really there as your support? It's just kind of eye-opening because in a crisis, I think people's true colors come out. And the thing is, who is your support? And if we identify who that is, and then focus on that, you know, let the other things fall away. Like where you put your focus, that's what grows. So cultivating more support, you know, finding where your support is now, and then also maybe adding in from there and then letting the other things just fall away. So this brings me to the next point of changing tides. So I've been a big fan of Dave Ramsey for a long time. He is a financial guy. And as Dave Ramsey would say about how your money long-term habits would show up in a crisis, he has this funny saying. He says, when the tide goes out, you can see who was skinny dipping. So what does that mean? In general, basically, if you've sort of just been putting on a front, a face that says everything is fine, but you really haven't been taking care of your finances all along, then when crisis occurs, that's the tide going out, basically you're left hanging um, and just exposed and vulnerable and uh, it's not a happy moment. It's embarrassing. It's not fun. So why am I talking about finances when we're talking about, you know, all of this other stuff? Because really what I want to translate that to is this idea of, you know, can we think of this foundation building that Dave Ramsey talks about with your finances, that if you have a, a solid base and you're doing the right thing all along, then when a crisis comes, you're not caught off guard, basically. So I wanted to relate the same concept to whether or not you are feeling secure and thriving in your relationships. So what it brought me to think of was, well, you know, with regard to relationships, if you're building foundations all along, right, then when a crisis occurs, then you have support, you have friendships, you have 
people you can count on. You have people that are cheering you on. You're cheering them on. It's a two-way street. If you don't have those foundations built, you might find yourself feeling that you're in a state of relational bankruptcy, just sort of empty, like where did everything go? So the crisis has hit and the tide has gone out and now you feel like you're skinny dipping and you know that you may have had fair weather friends. That phrase sort of didn't come from nowhere, right? There's some history behind that. And really what you want to do is bankruptcy or not. If it, if it happens financially, if it happens relationally, then we have an opportunity to start over, to start to build. And, you know, maybe it hasn't gotten to that point, but maybe, you know, things are just shifting and changing and, and need to be cultivated at this time. So one way we can cultivate these relationships is to keep in mind the five love languages. So just to list them out, the love languages are number one, acts of service, number two, quality time, number three, words of affirmation, number four, gifts, and number five, physical touch. So these five love languages, the general gist is that different people relate to these different things as their main love language. So you might feel that it's very important to have physical touch. You might be a huggy, touchy, you know, um, a person who just, you know, that's just part of who you are. It's, that's great. You know, that's awesome. Um, or you might find that, you know, little gifts like make all the difference in your feeling of connection with another person. You know, and in general, if we learn these five love languages, we can kind of figure out if it's a partner, they might have like a main love language and then the other ones follow suit in a particular order and the same with you. One thing that's interesting is this idea that the five love languages with kids, sort of they're kind of all on full tilt, acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, physical touch. Those are things you want to give to your kids all the time. And the idea with adult relationships, my understanding is that when someone is sort of in the beginning of a relationship, all of these things are on full tilt. And then you sort of settle into a quieter time of, you know, figuring out what that person's main love language is. And it's not usually all of them for everybody as an adult. There's maybe one that comes to the surface. So it would be good to know what is your love language? What is the love language of your partner? You know, you can keep this in mind with your friends, you know, acts of service, quality time, words of affirmation, gifts and great hugs, right? All of it applies. So I just want to kind of rave about the five love languages for a few moments because, you know, literally the way it's described is if you speak French and your friend speaks Spanish, well, those are close, <laughs> uh, but like two different languages, basically. You know, if you speak one language and the person you're talking to speaks another language, you just, you're better off if, if you can speak the same language or at least know what the other person's language is and you can do your best to, to kind of speak that language for them and maybe they'll do their best to speak your language for you and that way, you you know, that's very fulfilling all around. So just a little bit about the love languages. Now going on to this third 
sort of bigger point, be, do, have. So this is a concept I learned from Landmark Education. And the thing is, I think that we often focus on wanting to have certain things. But if you think about what you really want to have in your life, you have to kind of reverse engineer it. And if you really want to have good relationships, if you really want to have a solid financial foundation, whatever it is for you, you can't just focus on the have because then you're just left in a wanting place. So you have to kind of move it backwards a little bit. So you can't have the thing without you know doing certain things. And you'll do certain things depending on who you're being, who you're being in the moment. So what you want to kind of do is reverse engineer it, figure out what you want to have in your life, good relationships, solid foundations in general, and then reverse engineer it. So if you want to have that solid relationship with your friend, maybe you would be doing certain things and what kind of a person would you be to do those things? Starting from the beginning, really where you want to come from is the being, right? The being is the foundation. So if you are being a person who is caring about other people, you will maybe take these five love languages into consideration and then you would naturally do the things that would end up having you have that close relationship with the other person. So just a thought that I wanted to share from this experience of the concept of be, do, have, rather than just focusing on the have, where it sort of doesn't really manifest from who you're being. So those are my thoughts for today the first idea, seasons, what season are we in and what does that bring? And then the changing tides and how are we cultivating our awareness around what affects the changing tides and what our experiences while those tides do change. And then lastly, what is it that we're focusing on? Are we being the person who does certain things and ends up having what it is that you want to have. I hope that these thoughts are helpful in some way. I am enjoying this spiritual practice. I feel like it's necessary so strongly right now, and I'm happy to share it with you. It also keeps me motivated. So take care, have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this exploration of the Yoga Vashishta. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you can get the next episode as soon as it comes out. We'll see you next time. Bye.